stories of innovation and success from the vibrant communities of rural Nova Scotia. This is Ignited. It's our very first episode. I'm really excited to be here and I want to thank you for listening in. So, how to start? Well, even in this small community, I'm based out of the Ignite office in Yarmouth. When I tell people that I work for Ignite, I often get the reply, hey, that's great. Now, what's Ignite again? People know the name, but they don't quite often understand what Ignite is about. So, who better to explain what Ignite does than the guy who put it all together? An innovator, an inventor, and entrepreneur in his own right, the founder and CEO of Ignite Atlantic, Doug Jones. Doug, thanks for being here for episode one. Thanks, Wade. So, great. We're at Ignite. What's Ignite? It's an interesting question because, uh, of course, I get that all the time. But Ignite was kind of founded as an experiment just to see if we could develop an innovation and entrepreneurial mindset in a, in a rural place. And I wasn't sure at the beginning what that meant, but... Uh, over the years, we've kind of evolved into a, a bit of an entrepreneurial ecosystem, but also just focused on innovation and the mindset that you can build it in a rural place and, and achieve success and, and really hit a global market. We evolved with four pillars, essentially starting with youth, because we feel that, that youth need opportunities in rural places, so exposing them to STEM-oriented activities, entrepreneurship activities, and creating those opportunities and career paths for youth is very important. And then uh, we have our startup supports that we put in place of, uh, of a new startup or a new idea. We'd like to surround the entrepreneur with resources and access to our network of supports and support system in general. Uh, we also like to foster innovation in the community, uh, support other organizations and their initiatives and look for those big pain points that are facing the community and see where we can help. And then our industry innovation side, like working with major corporate partners to help solve big industry challenges facing our, our industries like our fishery, like our mining, like our forestry, all those traditional sectors, and uh, help grow those industries into different markets and help them evolve and embrace technology and innovation. Okay, and all in a rural setting. All in the rural setting. All right. So there's there's a lot to unpack there. Let's start with the very beginnings. You were already an entrepreneur. We'll talk about that in another episode, actually. And at the time that Ignite started up, you're part of the faculty of the NSCC, the local That's Nova right. Scotia Community College setup. So what happened? How did how did this little spark become a fire, if you will? I was a faculty with the Nova Scotia Community College for many years. But I was also an entrepreneur. I was running my own companies, especially in the uh, in the sports world, um, wor working in various sectors there. But I was approached. I was having some conversation with some some people in government that kind of were interested in what I was doing on my entrepreneurial side, and uh, they were fascinated that I could do those things from a rural place. So I, I was doing work with Wilson Sporting Goods and Louisville Slugger and some other major brands around the world. Uh, they couldn't quite wrap their head around how I was doing all this uh, product development and stuff here. My answer to them was nobody told me I couldn't. 
<laughs> so so if nobody's putting a barrier in front of you, I'm the type of guy who's gonna gonna jump on that. But they started asking questions about could I teach other people to do this? Could I create that innovation mindset in other people in the in the region? And and I said that innovation mindset does exist in different forms or fashions. Most people don't consider themselves innovators, but we quickly started going through this and they they said, well, what would I have needed as an entrepreneur starting out? And I said, well, that's an interesting <laughs> proposal because, uh, you know, I was missing access to tools and, and stuff to build my prototypes. I was, I didn't have this same mentor network that we built here. Uh, we didn't have access to government programs. We didn't have access to expertise that already existed in other regions, but didn't exist in our community. So that's kind of how I started it was trying to build that group and that network around the province to provide resources. And really I built the facility around things that I would have wanted, uh, starting out. So we have, you know, we're sitting in a recording studio here where we have camera equipment, drones, 3D prototyping equipment, things like that, that, wow, if I would have had that starting out in my inventing new sporting goods products, I could have moved a needle very quickly. I was uh, doing some things uh, to build my products that, you know, were putting rubber bands and toothpicks together to try and build something. I wanted to speed that up for entrepreneurs. So really uh, the federal government through ACOA and uh, also the provincial government came on board and we partnered with the NSCC to get us off the ground. And we started in the Nova Scotia Community College buildings, both here and in Pictou County, and quickly outgrew those spaces and now have our own standalone buildings here and in, in Pictou County. And we have a shared space at the pier in Halifax as well. Who was with you at the beginning? And I mean, in terms of different entrepreneurs, different startups who were interested and said, hey, this is going to help me. I put a, a bit of a, a group together at the very beginning. Um, so we had uh, five of us at the beginning that came together to help get this off the ground. So we had different skill sets and different entrepreneurs in that initial initial group, and many are still involved with Ignite or, or in their own companies inside of Ignite. And we kind of brainstormed how this could look. So that's really the beginnings of it. But we had to build awareness in the community. So we've been running events since day one, like <laughs> getting people in the space and then explaining to them what Ignite is and what resource we could we could access. But the whole goal is is to see who's out there, who's working in their basements and who's got ideas that they need help bringing to market. And then we can help guide them through some of the programs that are out there access to capital or getting in front of VCs and funding agencies, or is it NRC access to help them with some of their innovation projects or, or, you know, all those things and those partnerships with the province and with NSCC and with some of the universities and with COA and stuff like this, they all have different things that they bring to the table, but entrepreneurs don't know they exist. Right. So that's what we've tried to do is shorten the pathway for them, give them direct contact with the person or people that can can help them along the way. We're, we're not the experts on everything. We try to be a, a good resource in many areas, but 
at the end of the day, we know the right people that, that, that the entrepreneur needs to talk to, or we can put them through our accelerator to help them develop their business idea. And it's not kind of all about those networks, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Uh, that's the whole reason I, I achieved success is that I built a very good network, concentrated on my communication skills and not being afraid to make phone calls and, and contact people. But in a rural place, it's often it's often hard to build those global networks, uh, let alone the provincial network. <laughs> so now we've got this interwoven connection with other accelerators, incubators, government agencies, and it kind of does what I always say is shrink the province and make it more accessible in a rural place to, to do the things that, that I would do or that other innovators would do. You're one of those guys who, I don't know if you didn't care so much about the uh, barriers or didn't really see them anyway, but you're, you're kind of a, uh, let's go, you're not going to take those barriers and, and use them to stop you. And I think a lot of times when it comes to rural Nova Scotia, maybe it's the same anywhere, but you think of yourself as someone born and raised in a rural area as somewhat smaller, if you will, and not, not inferior, but smaller. Yeah. And so uh, there's a lot of keeping things to yourself. Maybe you have an idea mm-hmm. and maybe you don't know what to do. Yeah. Maybe there's a lot of potential around here where there's a lot of maybes, if you will. And I, and I think even within the people who live in the rural areas, there's a belief that, well, I can't do it because I'm in small town Nova Scotia. Right, right. Yeah, I, I guess I've never never had that same mentality. If there's a barrier, I find a way around it or I smash my head right through the wall. But, you know, I'm not scared to take a chance, but it, entrepreneurship is some, sometimes full of fear. You're, you're scared of doing everything and you get paralysis by analysis. You can overanalyze things. But I've always been that guy who, if there's a problem, I try to fix it or try to find somebody who, who can help me fix it. Sometimes it's a matter of prototyping without stuff, being lean and putting together things that are are very rudimentary, but it's a proof of concept. So I think just creating that atmosphere where it's okay to experiment. I also think that in these rural places, we tend to be very quiet about our success. And there's a lot of success in the history of Nova Scotia in these rural places. People often keep that very close and don't shout about it because sometimes you get a, a bit of a people like celebrate failure uh, in these communities. And I don't know why that is, but people tend to be quiet. But the history of Nova Scotia is built on these traditional sectors. And some of our largest exports are coming from these traditional sectors today. Right. So I don't believe in turning our back on those sectors and trying to be something brand new. I I believe that we can apply innovation to those industries and those communities and really elevate what we're doing in those traditional sectors. Or, you know, we don't have to be something different. Community is what built us. And we want to celebrate the fact that in Yarmouth, we're, we're a heavy fishing community. There's certainly in New Glasgow and, and Pictou County, you know, there's fishing, but there's mining, there's forestry, there's all, all these sectors. I love that. That's the cultural part of what we do. We just need to look at our past and recognize that we've been innovators for a long, long time. We just haven't celebrated it. And I think we've got to do a better job of celebrating. Yeah, there's a tendency not to blow your own horn. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes we have to do that. I get caught in that myself, not talking about my own products and innovation, but I know a lot of people in this region and, and throughout Nova Scotia that are doing crazy things like breaking new ground. And, and often they're in these rural pockets. They just don't get the news. <laughs> exactly. News jumping all over them about it, but uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Well, there's one thing that COVID has done for all of us is proven that you can be anywhere, especially these days, anywhere in the world, you can you can work at a big company, you can develop your own things, because if nothing else, it's proven that the internet can connect us all in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think the opportunities for entrepreneurship are are way bigger now than 25 years ago when I kind of started down this road. I, I think you can connect with people anywhere, anytime, which is nice. Um, we can overdo it since COVID that where we're connected all the time. But yeah. the fact is these global markets, COVID has exposed some of the flaws in society uh, as far as supply chain, logistics, all all these things, they've also exposed the opportunity for new innovation. I, I think, you know, the restaurant industry is a good example. There's not too many restaurants that don't have some sort of delivery partner now. Ones that never even considered doing this are now online and selling direct through their... So they're embracing technology. They're still... Their core business is still creating great food, but they're delivering it or selling it in a different way. That's a, a big thing that's happened over there, but you can apply that to any single store, storefront, um, any business. They're starting to think globally. They weren't able to sell to their neighbors necessarily through COVID or people in the other parts of the province, so they adapted and they changed, and now, and now they're recognizing that their market has been sitting there a long time. They just haven't applied technology to it. Well, we have a history of innovation, and I think it's one that people don't talk all that much about. But one of the ones I I love to hear you tell the story, and it's a a person I've known of before for a long time, but tell us about John Patch. That's the story I always love because it's a story of innovation. Yeah, and I've spoken a number of times, and I usually try to inject his story into most of my my speeches, is, is John Patch was a fisherman in Yarmouth. A long time ago and really his goal was to catch more fish so one of the things about catching more fish is getting to the fishing grounds quicker being <laughs> being more deliberate there so he invented the thing called the screw propeller which every vessel on the planet <laughs> on on water uses and he developed it right here in in Yarmouth and the first sailing by any vessel using a screw propeller was from Digby to St. John, New Brunswick. And just a tremendous achievement. The world would be a different place without that innovation. The problem was he didn't know about business. He didn't know about patents. He didn't know about all this stuff. He ended up really dying penniless. And when he should have been celebrated as a global innovator and had wealth and all that, but he didn't have the right access to the to the right advisement on that and and the patent for the screw propeller was issued in in England about 10 years after he invented it and that person went on to be rich and famous <laughs> but 
The actual fact was that it was built in a rural place in small town Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. And, and I think those stories exist in all these rural pockets. There's always some innovation that's coming out of it. And, you know, you look around Nova Scotia, certainly one of the big ones is Alexander Graham Bell in Bedeck and mm-hmm. all the innovation that was coming out of this little tiny community in the middle of Cape Breton. And uh, we don't celebrate that enough. When I'm in the United States or in other countries and I talk about Nova Scotia, I often bring up Alexander Graham Bell lived here and they have no idea. And I said, yeah, well, he invented this, 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 (laughs) all these things in his innovation lab in Bedeck, Nova Scotia. And that happens. There's innovators all over the place. And I've seen it through the last four years of Ignite is these people with great ideas start coming out. They just need that push in the right direction and they need that support system around them so that it's not as wrought with fear as entrepreneurship is. You can take some of that fear away if you have a support system. Right. And that's kind of what Ignite does. Yeah. It's a support system. It's also a huge part of the ecosystem here in the same way that, uh, you know, everything's interconnected. If you're in the rainforest, Mm. everything is interconnected when it comes to a business economy and just in a community generally. So you've got your four pillars. You've got your youth. You've got uh, community. You've got entrepreneurs and industry. So that is a lot mm-hmm. for a place like Ignite because it basically covers everything. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to innovation, there can be entrepreneurs who come up with their own thing, but there's also that big industry piece. Yeah. And we have industry here that when you put the industry and the innovator together and the entrepreneur together, you can make some pretty amazing things. I always say it's, it's all about the problem. I don't like inventing or innovating just for the sake of inventing or innovating. You have to have a big, hairy problem that you're trying to solve. And in these communities, there's often these problems. You know, a few years ago, we and we're continuing today to talk about waste, talking about fish waste, where we're one of the largest producers of seafood in the world here and in Southwest Nova, we have a huge amount of impact on our annual GDP here in the province, but we waste a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. But in other countries like Iceland, they use a hundred percent of species. And I think we're moving towards that, but we're still not there yet. And the waste is actually a lot of value. There's a lot of value in waste products, whether it's shells or whether it's fish skins or fish heads or whatever it may be. And we sell a lot of that as bait products and and things like this, but there's higher value product coming out of there. So I like to tackle those big problems that have commercialization part of it, like something that'll change the industry. And uh, we're doing one right now with our partners at Sobeys uh, on a national level to find solutions for styrofoam tray packaging for meat and poultry and stuff. It's a huge problem inside of Sobeys. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of discussions with them and, and they were a tremendous organization with us. And we partnered with them and Divert Nova Scotia and ACOA and said, okay, let's put it out to entrepreneurs and let's see who can come up with solutions. And quickly, we identified a whole bunch of companies from British Columbia all the way to Newfoundland that are 
innovating in that space, coming up with different solutions. But the interesting part of this challenge is they're not just innovating for the sake of innovating. They're actually trying to get a purchase order from Sobeys at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge purchase order. So now we've narrowed it down. We have our pitch competition at the end of June. And we're really excited that through the, this competition or this, this awareness building uh, industry innovation approach, we're identifying companies that can provide solutions for this individual challenge, but also for maybe other plastic packaging challenges that Sobeys is facing now or in the future. And by working with corporate partners, we have that commercialization engine at the end. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think this is you know, one of many uh, challenges that we're going to look to launch with our corporate partners. But uh, this one has been tremendous and, and national in scope because of you know, Sobe's footprint from coast to coast. Yeah. So the innovation part of it is it's very cool, but this is going to have repercussions in a huge way to our ecosystem, to somebody's bottom line. It makes a big difference in the ecosystem. Right. Talk a little bit about the lobster bait challenge that you guys did. And and perhaps perhaps our listeners aren't aware, but we have a huge lobster industry. And of course, the lobster, the lobster are caught by traps, but you need bait. And the bigger the industry is, the harder it is to find the bait. Where does the bait come from? Yeah. Well, and the bait uses certain species that through different things happening across the country are are limited in supply. So things like mackerel. Mackerel is a nice oily fish that's often incorporated into into bait. And there's some limitations on the, the amount of catch. When those species are eliminated from our fishing, all of a sudden it affects our lobster industry because we can no longer sell that as bait. So we're species dependent. But what was happening was a lot of this fish waste that I was talking about earlier is being sold as bait. Take a pound of fish waste and, and you catch a pound of lobster with it. Okay. And part of the problem or opportunity I see there is that waste, actually, when it's put in the right sort of profile, it, it has a way higher value than the rest of the fish, you know, in collagens and nutraceuticals and things like this. So what we wanted to do with the lobster bait challenge was see what people had as possible solutions. So replacing the traditional bait, the mackerel and herring and stuff like this that we use for bait, replacing that with something else. We didn't really specify what, but we said we have to reduce the amount of that waste. So we were getting solutions that were technology-based, like pucks with scents and, and sort of oil additives and stuff like that. And then there were some that were using alternative species, whether it be non-fishing related species or invasive species like blue mussels and things like this, or processes that could could help. So we got a, a bunch of solutions and some very good ones. But what we did with this was the solutions that were presented once shortlisted, we actually partnered with Coldwater Lobster Association here to do sea trials. And we got an experimental license with DFO And we did a controlled sea trial and we measured traditional bait to this new bait and we measured to see who caught the most. You know, it's not purely scientific because there's a lot of circumstances that dictate catches and stuff. But what we wanted to prove is that there might be some other bait solutions out there. 
And if we can find another bait solution that that works and that satisfies that industry, then we can capitalize on the fish waste. And these companies can move towards the more nutraceutical pharmaceutical, you know, all those other industries. And the increase in revenue for our industry would be astronomical. And that was our goal. And I think it still is our goal because there's more and more companies getting into that space. These big problems aren't solved overnight, but we have to start talking about them and we have to start developing innovation around them. And that, that was a really good example of how we work with our partners. So in that example, we partnered with the Regional Enterprise Network and we partnered with ACOA and we, we partnered with Coldwater and right. DFO. We like to bring organizations together with different expertise to help solve these challenges. And where Ignite fits in is we're really good at that. We're really good at bringing people together and organizations together and digging into what the real problem is. The big thing about that whole challenge was that we had all the industry suppliers, all the processors in the same room. Mm-hmm. And, we were, and they all experienced the same problem. And they told us what the problem was. We didn't dictate what the, what the problem was. We listened. Um, 90% of the time we're listening and, and trying to see if there's an opportunity for an innovation solution. Okay, so let, let's stop it there just to repackage that in, in another way because I'm trying to figure out, did somebody come to you and say that there was an issue or is it kind of you or Ignite saying, there's kind of a problem here. Why don't we figure out how to solve this? How does that work when it comes to, for example, you talked about the Sobeys challenge, about the, the, the lobster bait challenge. Who, who reached out first? I think uh, where many of this comes from, so if you look at the lobster bait challenge, it really started with a couple of friends of mine. We were sitting around talking and talking about, I wonder if there's an opportunity in the seafood industry to develop brand new markets. And this was a friend of mine, Jeff, at at ACOA that we were talking about with. And he said, well, you know what we do? Let's bring all the industry together. Let's ask them. And that's how it started. I remember the day we, we met in a classroom up at the community college and we sat down and we said, we're not asking you for anything. We're not, we're we're not, not selling you we're anything. We're not selling you anything. What we want to do is have a discussion uh-huh. around your fish waste. And at first they were sitting cross-armed and less open. But when we started to talk about it, they really opened up. They helped direct the conversation. And, and they told us what, what the big opportunities and big problems are in the industry. And then we went away from that kind of doing a global scan and starting to work with the Icelandic supercluster and groups like that to see what they do. And really the core of it is we listened. We brought them together. We listened. We asked good questions. The Sobeys Plastic Waste Challenge, same thing. I, I was having a coffee with Vice President of Sobeys, Joey Jollymore. He and I were just chatting and and he started by saying, you know, the plastic bags that we did away with were really not the big plastic problem we had. The big problem is this. <laughs> and sort of started that way. And then I thought about it and we started having more conversation and then brought in more people. And then at the, you know, a couple months later, we're meeting with the senior VP of innovation for Sobeys and his team and 
we've really started getting a groundswell and brought in Divert Nova Scotia and the COA and all the all these groups. And it turned into a really good, well-defined challenge that was national in scope. But you have to start with a conversation somewhere. Right. That's what I mean. Like it, you have to develop those networks and and be in the room to have those conversations. It's kind of like you're at the top of a hill on a snowy day and you're making small snowballs, rolling them down the hill <laughs> and figuring out which ones are going to get big. Yeah. Yeah. Not all of them get big, but uh, certainly there's some some interesting ones. Uh, you know, right now we're working on marine electrification. Mm hmm. And we're working with our friends at AF Terrion because they're very good at building boats. But the trend is to move towards hybrid and electric solutions. And so that one really interests me. And that's that's something that we're actively working on now. And I think that's going to become a bigger and bigger aspect to this region, especially because we're so dependent on ocean industry. And I think we have a, an obligation globally to reduce our carbon footprint in the oceans and uh, do it in a sustainable way. So those are personally some of the initiatives that I really attach to because I think we owe it to the planet We owe that I'm a big environmentalist, but I also see commercial opportunity in those, in those things. If you're following environmentally and sustainability goals, I think you can develop really good businesses. So that's where we are right now. Where are we going? What's Ignite's plan? Is there more expansion? Is there just more problems to address? There's always there's always problems to address or problems to uh, put your innovation skills to. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, innovation leads to more problems. And I don't say that in a negative way. I think as we innovate, you uncover new things. So I think we're going to see more and more problems come to the forefront. Certainly in Nova Scotia, we're dealing with a lot of labor challenges for a number of reasons. We have a lot of new immigrants coming into the communities where I think there's a huge skill set that's coming in. And I think we need to put in programs and supports to help those innovators because they're, they're potentially coming from other markets that have experience that we don't have. So I think there's a lot of those types of opportunities coming. And I think Nova Scotia in general is really set to take off because I know Halifax is widely known for the tech space, ocean tech, core technologies, you know, IT development, all these things. But I think we need to connect into that ecosystem. And that's why we're partnered with Cove and with the Pier and with Dow Idea Hub and, and groups like this so that we can start bringing our entrepreneurs into that space. But they don't have to leave our communities. As far as uh, Ignite's goals, I guess, kind of our environment tells us where we're going, but we're looking at, you know, these industry challenges are a big part of what we're, what we're doing. So we're going to continue to have those conversations and deal with the big hairy problems and see where we can go. We've partnered with the Discovery Center this year, and we're looking at launching some very big initiatives around youth development. Uh, around work with First Nations communities, with African Nova Scotian communities and, and things like this. We want to do more and more with youth and create opportunities in our rural areas, career pathways into our universities and colleges, and really work with kids all the way through the school system. 
So that's very important. And then that helps foster the startup space. We're not moving away from our pillars. We're leaning into our pillars. And I think there's more to do in all of them. We're constantly looking to improve. We've got a great team here and with a lot of skill. So we want to see where we can go from there. But really, it's continuing to do the things that we're doing now. Just do them at a better and better level. As far as expansion, who knows? We're talking to other communities, but it's not necessarily about setting up brand new Ignite in those communities. It's more about how do we use our existing system to engage with those communities in some meaningful way. Face-to-face is always better, but we do have the opportunity to do things virtually, which is good. And we've got our partner organizations, you know, all the, all the organizations I mentioned, but Seed out of Halifax works with us extensively on our startup supports and our entrepreneurship programming for youth. You know, we want to continue to do that. Those partnerships are, are super valuable just because I don't want to reinvent the wheel if something's really good. Mm-hmm. I just like to work with those organizations, you know, the digital Nova Scotias and the, and the seeds and groups like this that can help us propel this forward. And we've got some new emerging partnerships coming out. We're really um, trying to mobilize some venture capital in their smaller communities. I think there's a lot of opportunities for investors here, but we need to do a better job of putting our startups in front of those the right VCs and the right angel investors. So we're working with a few different groups there. And, and I think over the next 12 months, we're going to see a real growth in the, in the VC space, especially in rural Nova Scotia. That's my aim. So hopefully when we're talking 12 months from now, we'll have a lot of investment that's been occurring. So And again, that's all about blowing your own horn. Yeah, I think so. Um, and we have to do a better job of that over the next 12 to 18 months too. Doug, thanks a lot for talking to me. No sweat. I think people know a lot more about Ignite than they did before. And I'll get you to come back again because I want to hear you blow your own horn and tell us a little bit about what you do outside of Ignite with uh, your own innovations. Sounds good. Thanks, Wade. Thanks for listening to Ignited. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you subscribed, shared us with a friend, and gave us a good review. And we'd love to hear from you. Our website is igniteatlantic.com. My email is wade, W-A-D-E, at igniteatlantic.com. We'll talk again soon.